we have we are giving up our privacy at a scale that I it is un it is unthinkable. Normal signals like oh the stock market's reaching all time highs or GDP is you know three point two percent. Well, those signals usually would indicate to you that we're in a healthy economy. But then you t all you have to do is take a little bit, scratch a little bit below the surface, and you find out that it's a very, very thin cover of an economy that's you know, kind of sucking wind. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy, never-normal shift going on all around us. Our goal is to bring you ways to reimagine tomorrow and explore the ever-changing convergence of people, business, and technology. Here is your host, Ira Wolf. And welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. I'm Ira Wolf. If you think this is just another podcast, think again, because this is the voice of the most important conversations on the future of work confronting business leaders and people today. Our goal is to bring you ways to reimagine tomorrow and explore the ever-changing convergence of business, people, and technology. On today's show, we're going to take an uncensored look into our economy and welcome back our friends from Odeon Capital Conversations. We'll be talking politics, labor markets, AI, and wherever the conversation leads us. But before I welcome our esteemed panel, I'm thrilled to welcome Avanti as our new sponsor of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Avanti is at the forefront of making everywhere work work. Its innovative IT solutions help us find, heal, and protect every device everywhere automatically so employees can work better from anywhere. Avanti Solutions Summit 2024 is just around the corner. Join us in April to shape the future of work together with Avanti. Learn more about this exciting event and register on the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization website. Use code SMINDUSTRYPARTNERS. And now, let's get to the reason you're all listening today. Our panel today includes Jim Toes. Jim is president and CEO of Security Traders Association a grassroots trade organization which serves individuals employed in the financial services industry. He also was a candidate and is still a candidate in New York's third congressional district to replace the ousted representative George Santos. We'll hear more about that as well. Prior to joining the STA, Jim was the managing director of Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. And welcome back. Uh, we're going to welcome back Matt Van Alstyne, who's been a familiar guest on Geek Skeezers and Googleization for about the last uh, year and a half or so. Uh, Matt is co-founder and managing partner of Odeon Capital Group, a New York-based independent broker-dealer with trading, investment banking, and uh, research services. And Matt is also the highly respected thought leader on money and markets. And last but not least is my friend John Aiden Byrne. John's an experienced Wall Street business journalist and editor and successful podcast host and producer. He hosts the successful Odeon Capital Conversations podcast, as well as the popular Dig Life Deep podcast, on which I visit each episode for an update on the Future Shock 2.0. John, by the way, and this is great news, was recently hired as a consultant and advisor 
to the producer of a new movie on the extraordinary career of a legendary Wall Street CEO and company founder, philanthropist and inventor. John is also part of the executive team on this movie in development. Welcome back, gentlemen, to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Thank you for all for being here. Um, I think this is a little bit of deja vu, at least for John and Matt, going back to Yogi Berra's uh, classic uh, line, um, because we're on the brink, talking about economics, we're on the brink of another uh, shutdown. Country. Mm -hmm. uh, and it seems like every time we're on, we're either just over past the shutdown or there's another shutdown coming up. But besides that, uh, we've, you know, we've been talking for the last year about AI. We've been talking about labor markets. We've been talking about, you know, recessions, economy, soft landings. So we got a lot to talk about. And now we're in the throes of our election uh, that is coming up. So lots of uncertainty. Uh, let's start out with this question. Uh, and um, we can just go around. Uh, let's, we'll, we're going to... Uh, Jim, you're the, the virgin on the show, uh, on the Googleization show. Uh, we'll, we'll start with you, um, you know, getting your perspective of what we're seeing. What are some of the key drivers that you're seeing that are shaping your work, um, shaping some of the future work, shaping some of the markets in, in, in what's a pretty wacky political and economic environment? And you're in the throes of it because you're, you're straddling both worlds. You're straddling you know, uh, the markets and your straddling politics. Mm -hmm. Well, so first of all, thanks, thanks for having me on today and also STA to just kind of talk a little bit about things that we're seeing here. And, and, you know, you are correct. Like the organization STA does sit in the middle of two worlds, right? Um, you know, our members obviously are uh, practitioners in the financial services industry um, and they're individuals. And I think it's, that's a very key for your audience to kind of realize is that most trade associations it's the firm that's the member of the, of the association, like Morgan Stanley's a member of SIFMA, some of the larger ones. Our, our members are individuals, they're the employees. So we tend to do more things around career development. So I just, it's just a, you know, kind of, and it kind of drives what we do. Um, listen, Washington DC uh, touches every single industry in, in, in our nation, whether it's uh, healthcare, um, technology, energy, and obviously finance as well. So there is a lot that is going on. I'm sure we're going to get through it, you know, uh, as we get more into our conversation. But there's an enormous amount that's going on uh, in in the middle, at the midpoint of finance and in Washington D.C. If you pick an industry, there's going to be a government agency, and if there's a government agency, there's going to be at least two congressional committees that have oversight of that. So we can get into more details later on. But obviously, as it pertains to us, you know, we're dealing with um, the government agency being the SEC. And then the two committees of the Senate Banking and House Financial Services Committee, where we try to do as much work down there as far as educating. We don't lobby. We're an industry advocate. And we just try to come up with uh, solutions that are common sense and, and try to get our industry in a good spot. Thanks, uh, Matt. Um, you know, again, we've been back and forth for, uh, I think this is our sixth or seventh show over the last year and a half or so. Um, yeah. it, you know, we, we were initially talking about the, uh, you know, what the economy was going to look like. And, you know, we, we, we talked about this just a few weeks ago. 
um, you know, whether we were going to have a recession or a soft landing. And, you know, we keep hitting records on, on the markets. And I know that doesn't always translate to what the general population is going. But what, you know, what, what are you seeing um, that's uh, maybe a little different than where we were just a few months ago? I don't think I don't think there's anything that's really changed. I mean, you you look at the GDP number that just got revised today. It's three point two percent, which represents close to four hundred billion dollars of economic growth. But in that same period, you have the government issuing six hundred billion dollars of debt. So it's kind of a vacuum medicated <laughs> economy when you're issuing six hundred billion dollars of debt to grow less than that. You know, you're you're you can kind of hear that giant sucking sound that. That Ross Perot made famous way back when, <laughs> and, and um, in terms of you know the markets setting records, well, you look at the Nasdaq and it's up, I believe, like one point almost one point eight trillion dollars year to date. But if you look at the market caps of the various companies that compose the Nasdaq, the four biggest, you know, Nvidia being the big one, is up one combined. They're up one point seven trillion. So you have four companies up one point seven trillion of an entire market that's up one point eight trillion. And you're kind of saying, okay, is this a medicated economy? Like, what, what are we doing here? Um, in terms of of Washington, you know, the reason we're, we're living this Groundhog Day is because we don't, I, I don't know where there's adults or if our system is broken, but we don't have leaders in Washington. Because, you know, the, the whole premise of getting rid of, of the Speaker of the House was to return to regular order. And ever since then, all we've been doing is every four or five weeks, they do another continuing resolution, which was the one thing that you know this this guy Matt Gates, which I mean he's a, he must be a pyromaniac because he's trying to burn the whole place down with him, you know was saying we're going to get away from continuing the resolutions and yet that's all they've been doing since then. So you have a do nothing Congress, you have a president who seems to be more focused on prosecuting his opponent and keeping uh, you know his opponents off the ballot than than actually governing a country. And so to me it seems like a very chaotic world where you're normal signals like, oh, the stock market's reaching all-time highs or GDP is, you know, 3.2%. Well, those signals usually would indicate to you that we're in a healthy economy. But then you all you have to do is take a little bit, scratch a little bit below the surface, and you find out that it's a very, very thin cover of an economy that's, you know, kind of sucking wind. The government should not be issuing $600 billion of debt to get $400 billion of growth. And in terms of uh, Jim running for office, man, I'm I take my hat off to you. I, 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 you know, it, it, it requires good people like you to do stuff like that and get in there. And it just seems like, you know, the, the, the number of Republican committee chairmen who are resigning this year to me seems it sends a really mm -hmm. bad sign that good people get, get to Washington, get frustrated and, and throw in the towel. And I, that, that something's got to give, something's got to change. And I, I congratulate you and I hope you get there. And I, I really hope that, you get there and you stick it out and, and kind of be a be a, a voice for reform. Yeah. <clears throat> no, thank you for that. I mean, listen, I, I agree with a lot with a lot we just said. I mean, I think coming into this, it, it doesn't feel sustainable. Um, we've both been around a long time. We don't know that there are. First of all, I just appreciate the fact that you kind of started with facts and then developed your opinion. Often <laughs> we find politicians that have their opinion. And as we all know, from the beginning of time, that there are always economic indicators out there that can kind of be used to support an opinion that you already have on this, right? So, so uh, you know, listen, there are conflicting, uh, you know, indicators out there. I mean, inflation obviously is, is something that is of concern for all of us because we're living it. We can see it, feel it, and touch it. Um, I think that the government, yes, I mean, yes, the market has, continues to perform well. 
um, from it. But at the end of the day, uh, you cannot browbeat people into thinking something that they don't that they're not feeling. All right, so that they're browbeating everybody, saying the binomics is great, everything is great. We don't if you're not if you're not doing great, then you're not you don't understand what's going on here. At the end of the day, people are going to go to the voting for, to the to the voting booth in November, and they got and they're going to vote how they feel and and what they're experiencing, and not what they're necessarily hearing as far as how great everything is in in our economy today. On it, uh, the debt. I'll just say one thing on the debt. I mean, the debt is just not, man. I mean, I know we we get tone deaf to some of these to some of hearing about the amount of money that gets spent down there and the debt that we're running. Um, but you know, this is just not sustainable, you know, and, and, and people are having some real hard problems understanding the amount of money that's being spent for interest outside of our country when we have major problems inside of our country. And whether it's the, you know, the incident that happened down in Hawaii where people got, you know, checks of $700 when they lost their homes or the Southern border or veterans benefits or homelessness. They're not understanding, and, and nor, nor should they uh, understand why we're spending so much money abroad when we have all these problems going on at home. Um, my hat's off to you, Jim, as well. I've known you a very long time since the days I was editing Traders Magazine. But I'm going to pick up on some of those themes. I, I agree with both Matt and Jim. Deficit spending, servicing our national debt in this era of high interest rates is just it's, it's shocking. It's a big problem. We've got housing gridlock in the United States. Um, we have the phenomena of part-time workers and the and underemployment. I, I saw a story recently that half of workers have more than one full-time job in America. And so kind of makes you wonder about these government reports coming out about the creation in jobs. Uh, the other issue we should mention is the wars across the globe and the heightened state of global tensions, political polarization. But I, I think there's a bigger uh, a theme here uh, to sort of tie a bow around it. I, I think it's the attack on values, I, this new ideology that's taken hold in, in, in Western society. Our institutions are under attack. Our education system is under attack. Our judiciaries are under attack. Uh, you know, our families are under attack. Um, free enterprise system is under attack. And there's a sort of a rise of what we might want to call um, a kind of an aggressive relativism where everything is up for grabs. We used to agree a few generations ago that this thing was the right journey here. This was right. That was wrong. Now everything's basically make up your own mind. You can't run. You can't have civil order. And if you can't have civil in a society that goes by that you know, uh, ideology, as it were. And if you don't have a good civic order, you can't agree on death reduction. You can't agree on how we're going to uh, be a prosperous nation or how we're going to govern ourselves. It's so I think we have to kind of come together as a society in the West and we can deal with a lot of issues. And we do need people like Jim Tulls, um to, to get us there. Hey, can I just go back to something you said, John? And, and I, I want to don't let it go by. Um, you, you, you said that in the past, we all agreed mm. and we, we were all kind of white haired <laughs> or no haired, um, you know, white, white males, but we're all old enough to have lived, you know, and, and I keep going back to, to look at times that we tend to forget. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, in, growing up and in college during the, um, 
well, here, here's my 60s. President dies, civil rights leader dies, presidential candidate, candidate uh, assassinated. So within a five-year period, we had three assassinations in this country of major, major figures. Uh, we had a, an unpopular war, which we got now. We had a screwed up economy, which we have now. We had a, conversations about abortion, which we have now. Um, 60 years later, it's, I'm not sure. I mean, we're sort of being in that deja vu moment. We're, we're sort of li reliving some of that. Um, I'm not sure we all agreed. I, but what we did do is we respected differences. And I think that's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. The fact that when, when, if an election was lost, there was a respect that we lost and now we need to do better. We need to do differently. We need to get back in power. And that seems to be gone, but even respect for all differences, um, it, it seems to be what's lost. I, I, you know, we, I don't, we, we can, I don't want to get too philosophical, but I think that's a huge difference. I'm not sure that we all agreed in the past. No, I, I would pick up on that. Some of what you said is, is makes sense. You know, we, we, we had, um, well, we had the Civil Rights Act and various other acts to write a lot of historical injustices. We get all that. Um, and we had the Vietnam era and we had the riots on the campuses. I wasn't here then. I was over in Ireland. Uh, yeah, you were um, having your own wars. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and we're still sorting them out. Um, but you, you could take the post-war, post-Second World War era, 1950s. They were a lot more stable times here. One person could be the breadwinner. Um, and in a sense, by that definition, we were a wealthier nation in many ways. We, we carried car far less debt. Uh, there was more stability in families and homes. Everybody seemed a lot more united politically and agreed more. And then we had the fallout, you know, from, from um, Vietnam and the other debacles. Yeah, I, I don't know how I, I don't even know how much politics, you know, he's going back because the 64 race. I'm not sure we were pretty divided between Goldwater and Johnson and then Johnson and Nixon. So there was always controversy. But we, we had again, once it was over, we 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 respected the differences. We may not have liked it. And, and certainly we had the riots and 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 rebellion, you know, against it. But there was still some some odd way unity. I mean, so we always had our faith too. I mean, that, that, going back to one of John's first points here, I mean, I grew up in a household where, which I think was very typical back then, where I had one parent that was center right and one parent that was center left. And it was kind of like the, uh, you know, our, the church kind of kept, was in the middle and kind of kept those opinions from kind of getting too pushed out. And, and I think that, you know, to, to John's point, there has been, uh, you, you know, some, I don't know whether it's organized or what, but, but that faith that, that, that existed maybe at in our in my household growing up doesn't really and, and across a lot of other homes back then doesn't really exist to the same degree that it did back then and I think that that's kind of allowing this these these political opinions to get pushed out and and obviously you know you take that and you combine it with the world of social media and and you know news that you know it's more it's just exciting it's the it's the more you know outrageous headline that send that gets more clicks and sells more. It's just a it's just a powerful, you know, two two forces there that that we're seeing a lot of these opinions get get pushed further out, 
and and then they're getting amplified, even though they're 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 it's a minority of people that really feel it. Yeah, and 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 you know we, we will see where all of this uh, takes us in the current election. This is a really volatile and fascinating yeah. election. Maybe I know we can get into hyperbole, but this m- might be the most important general election, presidential election in our in our history. Um, and um, it, it, you know it's going to it could make or break the United States and the Western world. Yeah, and if everybody can see the uh, the comment that was up there, uh, especially that you know that we we also had a common enemy that that Russia was was the bad actor in the world, and uh, you know now there's even some perilous debate around that. I'm not I, I would assume none on this panel, but uh, mm-hmm. there seems to be some out there. Uh, going back, Jim, that's a really interesting point. I, and, and then I want to reel this back in to talk about the future of work as well uh, and get into labor. But um, the conversation about faith and religion, you know, I, I think you're right. Not that, uh, because I'm, uh, but I'm not necessarily a really religious guy. But the, the fact is, is that even now, even when people have faith, politic religion has become political yeah. i'm not sure we had the alignment of so many denominations aligned with a political party yeah uh without going into that so yeah. uh i think you know it's we we everywhere yeah yeah let's reel this back in a little bit let's talk about the future of work since that's what the show's about uh, and all this relates to it so with all this going on it does all relate to us yes yeah we're with all this going on ultimately it comes down to a conversation about careers jobs the future i mean yes. and and our and our labor markets um you know we, we we've had unsus you know uh kind of unprecedented i i don't know how many uh, months now that we've had uh, uh, low unemployment. I mean, I know we're we're in the records um, in in that amount. Uh, uh, studying that for twenty years, I, I'm not sure how we're getting out of that. Um, don't see any major changes in in. Uh, well, hopefully we'll have some changes in immigration uh, and, and make it a little bit better. But you know, even now, as you're talking about the boost in in, in employment and the low unemployment um, has a lot to do with um, coming in the country that are getting employed somehow. Uh, but we, we need to fix citizens. it. Excuse me? Undocumented citizens is the politically correct term. Yeah. Uh, undocumented citizens. <laughs> so, yeah. But they're, they're a boost to the economy. I mean, apparently that's what, what's make, you know, at least in some industries is, is helping us make mm. that, um, make the 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 economy hum but what what's the talk i mean where where do does all this conversation all this conversation impact what what people are concerned with uh, i'm i'm teaching an undergrad class 18 to 22 year old kids in innovation and entrepreneurship you know i'm trying to impress upon them how skills are changing rapidly but ultimately what a lot of what they're getting degrees in isn't necessarily going to be what they're doing for the future. I'm trying to instill in an entrepreneurial mindset rather than to say you all need to be entrepreneurs. You have to have the mindset of growth and change and adaptability. So what are you seeing out there? And, and I'm going to um, let me let me go to Matt first, because I know we've had a conversation about this in the past is where are you where are you seeing labor markets? What's changing on Wall Street? Uh, how is A.I.? you know, 
impacting it or where where do you think AI will impact it? I mean, in, in, Wall Street is going to be a fascinating case study for a future professor, you know, years from now, mm-hmm. because, you know, there's this promise of AI being a better stock picker or better portfolio arranger. And, you know, the, the, the fundamental thesis behind um, efficient market hypothesis, which is, you know, the first class you take when you're when you're learning about the finance world is the market is efficient and it directs funds rationally to where they belong. And if, if, if funds start chasing one dream or one idea too much, then it makes other areas cheap. And so I have this view that maybe the AI might over, over concentrate investing in certain areas that will then allow humans to go in and pick up the, the, the bargain chips, you know, the, the same way that, that Warren Buffett talked about, you know, you, you, you pick up, you pick up dollars that look like nickels. Um, in terms of where work is going, I think I'm not the first person or the only person to be surprised as I was growing up, we were, you know, kind of had this view of 30 or 40 years from now, we're all going to have robots that cook us breakfast and, 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 you know, the, 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 the driverless truck, you know, transporting stuff across the economy. The Just Jetsons. This morning, yeah, the Jetsons. <laughs> and instead what we're getting is the knowledge economy is what's being replaced. You know, just this morning, um, Stripe, the credit card processing company, you know, they've been laying off um, customer service agents and they they put out a, a release or a, a, it was in an interview that they said that right now AI is replacing about 700 customer, Chat GPT, which they've partnered with, replaced about 700 of their customer service agents. And so it, it's, it's looking like it's going to be the white collar um, people that are losing their jobs. You saw um, uh, the, the, uh, I can't remember his name, the, the director down in Atlanta, he was building an $800 million movie studio mm. and he put it on pause when he saw what chat GPT's mm-hmm. um, video creator could do in describing scenes. And he realized he's not going to need, you know, 80,000 square feet of studio space to create his vision when he's creating a movie. All he needs is a really, really good, um, GMU and a GPU that has great chat GPT inputs. And, you know, we're at the very, very, very beginning of this revolutionizing everything. And so I think you're right that, that your students aren't going to be practicing in a career that they studied and prepared for, because, you know, it was five years ago, the, the joke was during layoffs, oh, they can learn to code. Well, now you see people like Peter Thiel out there saying, don't bother learning to code because you're never going to be able to keep up with AI. It's going to be a much better coder than you will ever be. So don't bother kind of, kind of approach. And, and to your point on, in, on the immigration, the jobs that, you know, they're coming in here are not, you know, high profile jobs. It's, it's, it's picking fruit, it's picking vegetables, it's doing deliveries. It's, it's low, low in low uh, education, hard labor type of work that, the American workforce isn't designed for. And I don't think this is at all what people, especially thought leaders and politicians have designed our system around to be. And, and as you see with, you know, like section 230 of the communications act where, you know, the, the Supreme court is just struggling. Like, are these, are these common carriers? Are they, are they regulated utilities? Are they broadcasters? What are they newspapers? Like these laws that are interpreting, we're trying to, interpret 1800s and 1900s laws for a future that no one really knows what it's going to be like. And I can't imagine going to college and picking a career being like, okay, this is going to be a safe career because you can see AI taking over, 
accounting. You can see AI taking over a lot of the legal stuff. You can see it taking over script writing and 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 so forth. And where does that leave us? I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna. We've discussed this, Ira, together on Future Shark 2.0 on my podcast. Um, the phenomena of going to college is changing. I mean, we've, we've, we do notice that a lot of colleges are actually closing, some of it because they can't finance their continuity and can't pay staff or whatever. And a lot of kids are skipping college now and going into the trades. That's quite a substantial number. And some are not going to college and learning maybe to code or do computer-related things and getting very highly paid jobs in the computer industry. Um, but education is paramount. I'm not undermining it. A good, solid education. You know, we, we need educated people, doctors, engineers, and so on and so forth. But we don't need, uh, a, you know, an oversupply at the same time. On the immigration, immigration has saved America from total collapse over the past 20, 30 years. We're, we, our fertility rate has plunged, you know, the native-born uh, growth in the number of uh, children, uh, that, that's down. So we need immigrants, um, and they've been a great benefit to America. The immigrants coming across the southern border, um, I, I sort of agree with, with Matt there. They're, they're picking up, if any of them are working, and most of them apparently are not because it's a very unsettled situation, um, would be doing low-wage uh, work. Two quick anecdotes um, I know an employer in Massachusetts who runs a chain of um, Dunkin' Donuts, a very big chain. He couldn't find local staff for a lot of the slots, and he heard about all these undocumented coming across from the southern border, being housed in hotels in Massachusetts, and he spoke to the authorities, and he was able to get paperwork to put 20 of those um you know, call them what you want, aliens, undocumented, to work in his Dunkin' Donuts. He immediately solved his hiring problem. So you see what's going on. There's a, a very strange dynamic. You know, we don't have enough locals. We need to bring in immigrants. But the situation the border, in the southern border is a total and utter disaster. And that's another problem in this country. We can't solve it. And they can't agree in Washington what everybody in America is crying out for. Yeah. Solve it. Well, I got to tell you, there's, there's two things. I want to go back to something that Matt kind of talked about, and that's, you know, the change. And um, I think what's a little bit, I don't want to call it unnerving, but it is definitely different is 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 the speed at which the change is, is happening. All right now, you know, I did a job that used to, it was very manual. The first generation of technology that came into, you know, trading securities electronically, had had some benefits. I was able to trade more stocks. I was able to trade them a little bit better. But then I just got eaten like that Pac-Man show by the technology, by, by the technology in it. So I do feel that that you know that the amount of change that we're seeing right now, it's it's not so much the change. It's just how rapidly mm -hmm. a new technology comes in, and then bang, it's like it's it's omnipresent and it's and it's disrupted so quickly. I mean, I, I, I mean. I, I guess I'm trying to like, you know, the Wright brothers, when they first did that plane thing, it took like 50 years to go from like that glider to like a plane. But then we went from a plane to a rocket ship like overnight. And and I think that's, that's what I think where we are kind of in this technology part is that technology is into financial services. It has touched every every industry. 
But now we're getting this like 2.0 or 3.0 version of it where it's going to be disrupted much quicker mm-hmm. than, 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 than when it first came in originally. Um, to the immigration point, John, what I'll say to you, I mean, listen, the, the driver here obviously is that we are a consumer, you know, we are a, a, an economy built for the consumer on trying to get, you know, goods as cheap as possible. And obviously labor is a big part of the cost that goes into anything that we're purchasing on it. Uh, COVID was a, was a, one of those, aha, there were so many aha moments that came out of COVID for so many of us. And as it pertains to labor, like I had no idea. Yes. I knew that immigrants were doing certain jobs, you know, that, but I had no idea how they were in every single industry, you know, the, the slaughterhouses, I had no idea. You know, that 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 those slaughterhouses are a lot of immigrants, you know, that that's probably a decent probably at one point was a good paying job. Mm-hmm. But now immigrants are doing that. It's it's they are so involved in, in our economy right now, an economy that again that's built for the consumer and lower prices. I don't know. I don't know how we kind of go back to the kid who only has the high who only has two years of high school getting that kind of a job. When, they, when they're competing with the with the people that are, that are coming and willing to do it for a lot less. Uh, Jim will remember the time where there was at least five and a half thousand brokers, floor traders on the yeah. floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Today, you're lucky if there's a couple of hundred. That was an example of very rapid and accelerating, accelerating technology, the advances, and of course, government regulation also did that because it enabled this arrival of new machines and the other government regulation you could say it was probably welcome was the moving from fractional increments in stock trading to decimals and now while we have less floor traders and brokers we probably have net net just as many jobs for traders jim right i mean overall i i don't know i don't i don't know i i I feel like you know, I was I started out in, in the Nasdaq world, and we had we we probably had you know fifty traders and thirty assistants. And I remember going into a a, a morning meeting, uh, you know, around ten years later when the, everything was kind of coming together, and there were six of us. You know, we were like, do you realize that we are the last six that are doing Nasdaq securities here? Yeah. When they put the when they put the departments yeah. together, so. Um, but, you know, but again, I, and I don't think it was an equal, oh, they fired one high touch trader and then they hired, you know, one person on the electronic desk. It was it was not a one for one on, on that on that. So uh, yeah. I, I would oh, but, I would. Oh, sorry, Jim, I just want to clarify what I meant was overall with back office and uh, engineers yeah. and computers. So, yeah. OK. And 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 in that vein, I mean, is that in every you know, revolution and every transition with with automation and technology, we've always had new jobs created that still could be related to the field. So, you know, I don't know, um, you know, if their income levels and what their careers would be like, but we certainly have an abundance of financial advisors, wealth management advisors uh, that might have been maybe a trader in the past and now uh, is, is in a different role. But many of those roles may now be in transition too because of AI. Um, you know, as well. Matt, what, what's, you know, I know we've talked about this before and, and you've just shared, I mean, it's going to really disrupt and change, uh, you know, what Wall Street looks like. But, you know, what what are you seeing in, in, in far as 
you know, transitions of jobs right now. Um, and anything in specific? I mean, our our business has changed dramatically just because of um, Gary Gensler coming in. I mean, this guy he doesn't you know walk walk softly and carry a big stick. He he walks loudly <laughs> and carries a sledgehammer. Um, <laughs> and you know everything that he has just imposed and is imposing on um, from you know the, the 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 way he changed underwriting for IPOs to the way he's changed um, the you know from three-day settlement to two-day settlement to soon to be one-day settlement. And now he's trying to impose on, on bond trading um, the same type of reporting that you get in stock trading, you know, from right now bonds are reported 15 minutes within 15 minutes of, of, of posting a trade stocks. I believe it's one second and he wants bonds to be at one second, which I think for us, it, it adds a lot of bodies. We have to have a lot more people in back office just to be able to handle the paces of, of change. And I eventually think that this will get automate, automated um, once once firms get up to speed and get used to it. But in my mind, he's looking at things that ain't broke, don't need fixing, and he's he's breaking them, trying to fix them. And it's it's causing a lot of um, tension with, with back offices and, and also with the regulators coming in, you know, because every time they do a change, there's there's gaps in compliance, not not on purpose, but because you know, you have to get used to the new way of working. Um, so as of now, I feel like Wall Street is playing catch up to AI. Um, you know, that you look at these salaries and like chat GPT advertises that their average engineer makes $900,000 a year. Well, that that pricing level for AI talent, you know, resets the price level for every competent programmer and back office AI person. And so right now we're in the we're, we're on the wall, climbing the wall of worry of expenses rising before we get the actual benefit of all the automation that might be coming. Yeah, there's there's two themes that that are are going across and I'm so and, and again, bringing it back because I talk about this every single day of my of my working life is the speed of change. Um, and there, there's a lot of analogies that are out there uh, uh, about what's different this time um, is is the pace of the change, the accelerating pace. And, and there's quite a few people, they came up with all these analogies. McKinsey came up a few years ago and said that, that the next 10 years will be, uh, we will, we change will accelerate by 3000 times over what it did before. They had a formula for that. Uh, Ray Kurzweil has determined that we're going to experience a hundred years of, of change in, in less than 10 years. Um, that's what progress is going to look like. And we still live on this linear line or this linear curve, if you will, that it's going to happen incrementally, that we have time and, and it's not. It's happening behind the scenes uh, as far as the disruption. And, uh, you know, and, and it, it, if there's any message, it, it's apparent that it's affecting everyone. Um, hard to believe, but we've got like seven minutes left on this show. Uh, and and we barely scratched the surface on, on a lot of things. So what I want to do is give everybody a chance, and which means if we divide that out, you got about a minute and a half uh, for everyone. Um, what's one question or one thought or one comment that you, each of you, would like to share? And Rebel just shared that we got about 10 minutes. So each got about two minutes. Um, what's one one question, one thought, one burning issue your mind that that relates to everything we talked about the future work labor ai economy 
Well, any of you um, can start. I, I, maybe we need a pause on AI, but that won't go down too well with a lot of people we'd be called Luddites. But you re- remember last year, Elon Musk and a lot of uh, leaders in the tech field and at the college level said we need to pause for six months. This thing could just get completely out of control, could be a total and utter disaster. There's uh, privacy issues, there's technological issues, there's um, gaming issues, um, there's security issues, um, just a ton of issues that need to be properly addressed. So that's one thought. Um, I think the restoration of civic order then that'll lead to a lot more prosperity across the globe and people come together. The, the end of all this crazy polarization, and then we need to get Jim Toes elected. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I would, I'll, I'll pick up on one thing because it, it is something that's being discussed right now. I mean, listen, you know, the government regulators, they never move uh, you know, as fast as the markets do. So we've always we've, we've always lived in that in that problem. But obviously, with technology moving as fast as it does, you know, the government needs to find a way to kind of pick it up, pick up the pace a little bit on some of this. And in the area where I think where all of us, where I would kind of just challenge people to think about is that area around you want the government to protect you, but then you also have rights to your privacy. And the amount of information that a government needs from you in order to protect you, that's a lot of private information that they are grabbing from you now. And how do they protect that? And that's just something we need to be thinking about. How comfortable are you giving this information to the government, which they need to to perform some level of protection around this, around, you know, who's purchasing what? Uh, you know, um, around it. But on the other hand, like you, we are, we are giving up our privacy at a scale that I, it is un, it is unthinkable. The, the amount of information and the comfort uh, that we have with just giving information to the government or, 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 or even companies. Clear has my retina scan, you know, I mean, and all this stuff that can be hacked. And we just need to really be thinking about that, 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 uh, yes, we want our government to protecting us from these things that is going to require them to have information, but just seriously just think about how that uh, infringes on, on your rights and your privacy. I, I think an area, I, I agree with Jim by and, and John too, but I think an area that we're really not focused on as a country is we're very Europe-centric. You know, our biggest um, national security group, NATO, is comprised, aside from Canada, of all European nations. And our foreign policy looks through the world through a European lens. And what we're missing as a, as a country, in my mind, is if you look at the demographic trends, Europe has been shrinking as a percent of global population, you know, for, for going on five or six decades now. And it's, it's, it's accelerating. Germany has a, a demographic crisis. UK has a demographic crisis. France has a demographic crisis. Those are the three biggest countries or economies in Europe. And in the meantime, Asia is growing leaps and bounds. So we're, as a country, hitching our wagon to a part of the world that is shrinking in importance and shrinking in size and shrinking in scope, while the areas that we're not focused on, Africa and Asia, are growing rapidly. And and I think we, as a country, need to, at a minimum, recognize that Europe is not the future of the of where the global conflicts will be or where global stability should be sought. In fact, Europe looks more and more like it's going to have economic stagnation 
as their populations begin to shrink and, and move into retirement mode. Um, and the only reason America is unique from that is the immigration. And the problem we have with the immigration, which is well known and well documented, but it would be great if we could have a controlled immigration where we're getting the workers we want versus the workers yeah. we don't want. And we can get people who can show up and, and do jobs legally, pay into the system, get their families established and become Americans rather than be left in limbo for decades and decades on end. You know, especially these children that are in, in here without documents that become adults and are educated and speak English and, you know, have, have a real struggle um, because, you know, they're relying on former executive orders from presidents from three years, three, three presidencies ago to keep them working. And, and so we need a whole, in my mind, we need a wholesale change as to what America's role is in the world and a reapproach to, to that and stop being so European centric. I'll drink to that. <laughs> uh, Matt, we're, we'll stick with you. How, how can people learn more about um, Odeon Capital Group? How can they get in touch with you? Well, we have a website, odeoncapital.com. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we tend to focus on high net worth um, customers and, and hedge funds, but we do our podcast with John. We're on a hiatus right now. We're, we're going to relaunch and, and it's um, Odeon Capital Conversations on all the streaming platforms. Yeah, yep, definitely can recommend that. Uh, Jim. Yeah. How, how can we get in? How can people learn more about you, get in touch with you? And you, you're, you're walking those double lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for STA, we're out there too. You know, LinkedIn, Twitter, STA, securitytraders.org. We're out there. Okay. And what about uh, if they're interested in you, your political life? Yeah. Well, it's easy. Well, you know, if the last name like Toes, it's easy to find me. You know, <laughs> Toes for Congress. It's, it's, uh, I got a website as well. So, and you're actually a registered Republican? Versus the the last candidate, I am. I am. Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. I did mention that Jim had a career on Wall Street. Uh, the famous George apparently didn't, or was certainly yeah. stretched reality <laughs> quite a bit. In more than one area. So, uh, John, and what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Well, I have my own website, johnadenburn.com. They can do burndesk at gmail.com. That's probably the one I look at. Um, they can reach out to you, Ira, and uh, listen to Odeon Capital Conversations, Dig Life Deep, and uh, they'll, I'll be in touch with them very quickly. And we'll look forward to that movie. Yeah, I'm looking, that's yeah, coming it's, out. It's going to be a blockbuster. Yeah. Well, incredibly fast. Uh, we, we barely there's so many more questions that we've uh, that I'm sure we all will ask. I hope you all will come back on again. In, uh, usually we get you back like every two, two, three months. And uh, at that point, we'll be in the heat of the uh, political conventions. <laughs> so I'm sure there will be a lot going on. And uh, Jim, hopefully you might have a new career. Or a career path as well. well yeah, you know, I just I just turned sixty, and I and I couldn't think of another industry that could offer me a twenty year career other than politics right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and a retirement plan, right? <laughs> they have apparently a lovely gym in Washington. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. If you haven't uh, joined Googleization Nation yet, please do. It's free to join. Just go to GoogleizationNation.com. I want to extend a special thank you to our guests, John Aiden Byrne, Jim Toes, and Matt Van Alstyne, uh, and all our listeners for tuning in. We had a, a great audience today. If you haven't subscribed 
uh, to Geeks, Geeks, and Googleization on your favorite podcast. Please do so. And remember, until next time, don't let the shift hit your plans. Thanks for watching Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization. Be sure to listen to the podcast and follow us on YouTube. This show was produced and edited by Hilton Productions.